Just waiting for the notification. Sound check. Sound check. I need headphones to listen to it on your phone. Uh huh. Normally I have earbuds on me, but apparently not. We live now. But we still haven't done our uh, sound check yet, so uh, we're still, you know, we're getting there. Yeah, I got to listen to it on the phone. Oh, yeah. And then... Here we go. Oh, let me turn off Do Not Disturb, because then that turns off. Yeah, here we go. I need to hear what you hear. Humans and others. Um, and such. Oh, there's a commercial playing right now. Is there? Oh, for crying out loud. Here, skip ad. Here. Wait, what? Oh, it accidentally went to like a new video for some reason. Here. Okay. Testing right. me, testing me, testing me, testing me. Me, 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 me. Hello. Yeah, that sounds good. Now you. All right. Yeah, me, 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 me. Now it's doing you. All right. We're fine. All right. Cool. Uh. Hey guys, welcome to RCR Podcast number 24. I'm Nick. I'm Brian, and I just hit record on the recorder. Oh, all right. So should I read that? <laughs> nah, we're good. Oh, all right. Well, basically, this is podcast number 24. And um, real quick, I just wanted to shout out to Ben Lynn and Ben Thorne of Gears and Gasoline, who sent me oh, sent us uh, complimentary shirts for the holiday season. And for whatever reason, I didn't get them until after I got back from New Zealand and didn't realize that they were there. So sorry about that, guys. Thank you so much for the awesome shirts. Keep up the great work on your awesome channel. And... Uh, uh, anyway, so you had a pretty big weekend. Big weekend, weekend in Pittsburgh. Uh, I filmed one car, which we can't talk about it now, but it'll be one of the very American cars. American Asterix car that... Uh, it's like our back in the USSA season or yeah, something yeah. like that. Ba back in RCR season, whatever season Yeah, what I, I, I don't know. I think I'll stop numbering the seasons. Ah, but I started numbering the seasons. No, so now you can't. Now you I can't have to not do it. number the seasons. Yeah, it would it would be. I wanted to call it Eternal Spring, Eternal Spring Sundays, but back in the USSSSA <laughs> sounds that your idea is better. Um, um, Stuart Hill says, "Smoke a bowl with me." Well, they haven't passed the legislation yet in Pennsylvania for us to do that. Um, right now, there's some sort of thing that uh, Governor Wolf, and yes, our governor is called <laughs> Governor Wolf of Pennsylvania, signed that something's going to do something at some point, but really someone's got to get paid off before the that paperwork can get pushed through Harrisburg. Anyway, my weekend this year... Eh. my weekend this week and 
was going out to Pittsburgh to film one car and also to see the greatest band in the world. My favorite band is a ska band called The Slackers. You think of it as reggae music sung with a Brooklyn accent. And uh, I've never, I had, it was three hours of this fanboy moment because I saw it at Mr. Small's in Millvale, Millvale slash Pittsburgh. And Mr. Small's is a venue uh, built into a gigantic church, used to be a church. And they have two stages. They have the main stage and then they have the fun house which is their smaller stage upstairs so we saw uh, slackers uh, who did they who was on the main stage um the afghan wigs which i've never heard of i guess it's indie rock or hipster rock or something like that people in the comments will correct me gigantic afghan wigs fans um but i was there to see the slackers which when people complain like oh there's no good music today you got to you got to look for it yeah you really have to hunt for it no good well produced music is just going to come right out and present itself to you especially if you're listening to the radio or even like on Pandora it's getting a little top 40 yeah and this is the complaint of every season in the same sense that the only good seasons of SNL were the seasons that were airing when you were growing up uh yeah like yeah. snl is only good when you were young yeah the same way music was only good when you were young as well even though the top 40 on the radio back then was just as trash as it probably is now to a lot of people right and you had to do just as much looking for good music you mm-hmm. know uh well maybe not as much looking but even then you know today's music has quality if you're willing to go out there and find it so you know it's exactly like you said. Yeah. Rittrick Zurich in the comments says, yes, there is a metric shit ton of good music. There is. And th- the Slackers is, oh gosh, it's more than, it's like a six piece band. Well, let's see. Um, They have two front men, like technically Vic. So like Reg- bare naked ladies. Kind yeah. Of um, yeah, totally like bare naked ladies. Uh, I've been pr- mispronouncing the, the the sort of the guy who sings more is Vic. I I've been ca- pronouncing it Ruggiero, but it's Ruggiero. It's he's Italian American. Um, R U G G I E R O. Yeah, yeah. It's I knew it. Ruggiero. Ruggiero. Or Ruggiero. Ruggiero. That's probably. What I had a I had a classmate with a, that last name. Oh, cool. And so it was kind of like Ruggiero, but I'm. Um, but I'm not entirely sure about it. That was like mm. me going. I guess I didn't really know the guy. It's just right. Um, the anyway. So Vic Ruggiero uh, mostly plays uh, piano, although he's multi uh, instrumentally talented. And then the other guy is the trombone player, Glenn Pine, and he looks like everybody's dad and half the time sings in a black accent so like every everybody potato salad church picnic white guy dad and then out of his mouth comes heavy reggae heavy reggae accent like when he sings on not all the songs but it's just like baja men like all up in it well the i didn't want to say bob marley but right but you kind of go there you kind of go there yeah I, i i wouldn't go that ganja but definitely is when he has this one song called what went wrong 
it's i mean glenn pine is can sing in harmony like with other people way more than like rick astley but it's that rick astley moment where you uh-huh. think that's a big black guy no it's a skinny white guy yeah. no this is a hip a hip uh jamaican guy oh no it's the dad next door and yeah. that's that's wild and it's the all father Russ Bucket HD says, I think we need a crossover shitpost episode with RCR and Doug Demurio. Actually, that's not a bad idea. I don't know how how hip Doug would be to throw an entire video in the trash. <laughs> but I kind of want to do that, yeah. <laughs> even just for ourselves. I mean, I we do have a video coming up that I'm going full negative on. And it is a it is a RCR NZ um, video. But I talked. I asked the owner if I could just go trash on the car, and he said, "Yeah, sure." Yeah, and that's not the same as throwing a video in the trash. It's just we're trashing on the car, and some people prefer of just, well, you hate this car, and you're being honest about it. And as yeah. long as you're being honest and fair within the parameters of a car review, yeah, then I don't think people really care that much. Yeah. So I was in full fanboy mode. I'm looking them up. Pull, I'm doing like a the Jane, slackers. pull it up. Yeah. yeah. Type thing. Uh, I was in full fanboy mode because I was listening to the slackers at least for 10 years. And I'm we go upstairs and the fun house is like the stage in the fun house is almost like the size of two commercial garage bays in a just your everyday shop. Hmm. Like you walk into Bruce's, you picture like the area, the first two, maybe first three cars with, with the dual post lifts. That's it. The stage is maybe two and a half feet above the ground, off the ground. Eh, maybe three. Yeah. Your, your standard stage risers that some people stack. It's just yeah. like one level of those. That's it's like it. from the ground to the top of the futon. Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think the monitors for the stage are also the speakers for the stage i i saw the guy's monitors that face toward the stage but i kind of wondered if that was i I didn't look around i I didn't see any other pas so it's really super intimate mr small's funhouse and i get there and immediately i see vic just standing there in like a v-neck t-shirt talking to somebody i'm like holy shit that's one of the greatest ska musicians in the world and he's right there and then I look over and then I see, I'm not like speaking their, their, their like stage names. I see Disco Dave. <laughs> a, they all have like, uh, I mean, Vic Ruggiero. How do you, Ruggiero. 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 Vic Ruggiero's right there. Um, I didn't see Glenn Pine until he went on stage. There's another guy named Dave who has a stage name, Disco Dave. He plays a sax. Um, there's Agent J, the yeah. uh, guitar player. Yeah, the Wikipedia has their real names, but none of their fake names or, or their stage names except yeah. for Agent J. Yeah, and yeah, and they have former band members like Mush One and Zulu and <laughs> King Django. <laughs> so, this one guy in the comment says, "I'm stuck in gym class where we are stuck sitting down and aren't allowed to get up. Please hand help. The teachers are." Oh, you have that one gym class where you sit on the you sit on the bleachers. You ever have that? 
No. You've never had a gym class where it's not a gym class? No. Well, you go to gym class, they have nothing planned, so you're all supposed to sit. They turn it into a study hall and you just sit on the bleachers? No. What grade would this be? High school. All right. Well, no, because I did weight training. So oh. I never had like regular gym. I should have did that. Like, Wait. I didn't know that that was, there, you could take regular gym or you could take advanced gym. And it wasn't until senior year that, uh, like halfway through senior year, that I learned that advanced gym is just going to the weight room. Yeah. And I'm like, shit, I could have done that instead of playing these stupid games yeah. that I don't, and basketball that I hate and dodgeball that I Look, we're not middle school anymore. This yeah. is stupid. Oh, indoor indoor baseball with tennis rackets, and everybody who goes to bat hits a home run. Yeah. Like if you hit the ceiling, it's a home run or it's out. You got to hit the back wall, <laughs> and that's no problem because everybody just leans into it. Whack! Yeah. You hit that tennis ball to the other side. Yeah, I, going I, to the going to the weight room like twice a week would be awesome. Oh, I went to the we did weight training literally every day. I went to the weight room when I didn't have to because it was yeah. a nicely. Uh, it was a place where they were always playing Journey for some reason. It was always, you know, either Don't Stop Believing or... And then it's just, uh, you know, you get to work out your anger issues uh, on the jammer. That thing where you load up the weights on either side and you're standing there in a squat position and you're just like, boom, boom. But it's like your whole body what? is moving it. What's, what's the jammer? We called it the jammer. I don't know what its real name is, but it's a standing machine and you put, you have these grips and you push forward, like you're moving your whole body to oh. move it forward, but like you get the, the heavy plates on either side of the grips so that you're really moving. Is it on a pivot? Like it swings forward? No, it uh, doesn't swing. Well, I mean, no, it huh. doesn't swing. And... And that would be... It's not the Smith machine. Well, I don't know what a Smith machine is. Smith machine is that squat rack where the bar is... It's a captured bar. It's connected to those two posts. No. Oh, okay. This is like a separate thing. It's almost okay. like a like a like like an arm thing. It, it's just strange in that uh, with weightlifting, it was, those were the things that you would do if you didn't have someone there to spot you. Like if you wanted to power clean and you'd had no one there to spot you, it's like you just go to the jammer. And oh, okay. my weight in room instructor always had like the biggest hard on for the jammer. And I think it's because they paid like a, an ass load of money to get this thing huh. because we had a very advanced weight room because I, I went to like, I was a poor kid who went to the rich kid school mm -hmm. by a quirk of uh you know districting yeah so it was uh they had re revamped the entire weight room and they had all this state-of-the-art equipment and all this really cool stuff and i was in like the best shape of my life <laughs> while still eating like absolute garbage and it was just incredibly strange and but that's because everything was regimented you know you had you were getting like a free personal trainer yeah. saying like, this is what you do. This is how much you do it. And you have to keep pushing yourself to go beyond these set boundaries and these limits. Mm -hmm. And the only way that you could fail is if you didn't increase your max from when you started, which was absolutely impossible not to do if you were actually doing the work, mm. you know, like if you started out bench pressing like 175, even you would pass if you could bench 180 it's just, okay it's just absurd that you wouldn't be able to and mm -hmm. so i think like my max like bench was around 220 by the end of like 
senior year nice. um which i had started out in like ninth grade doing like oh i'll bench like 135 or something so i don't know it's not that great but it's still something but uh yeah anyway uh, just we'll get back to the slackers in the moment in the comment section guy named esker outcome says mr regular as a former english teacher do you have any advice for a fledgling fledgling college student does that mean you're freshman also would you say a history degree with a minor in english is a good idea well do you want to teach english because other than that history is not history major um doesn't have any commercial applications that's unless the- you want to teach yeah i mean it's nice to say you're a history major but you unless you want to become a history teacher I don't know, man. Um, Justin Kramer, the mechanic, the, the co-mechanic and co-owner of Slatington Auto Repair and one of the builders of the Vagabond Falcon is a history major. And he's a mechanic now. Which means you're going to do a lot of different things in your life. So, the answer is no. Um, it depends, it really what you want to do. If... If you want an English degree, if you want to write and do what we do here, you don't need a college degree. No one will ask for it. The only people who asked to see my transcripts was when I was in an education career. That's it. Yeah. Like, I want to be an automotive journalist. What major should I have? Honestly, audit classes. Because then you, can, then you don't have to take gym in, high, in, gym in college. There were so many bullshit classes I took at Kutztown. And if you have your heart set on some sort of media thing, like writing in some sense, the first thing that any employer asks for is a writing sample. They never, you say you go to any college you want, or even like say you go to Kutztown or say you go to Millersville. I'm just, I'm just naming schools in the Pennsylvania state system of higher education. Say you go to Shippenburg. Well, just go there and audit classes. You're going to get zero credit for for them you'll usually take them as pass fail um you don't get any college credit for them but you can go in there and learn the trade and while everybody else has to take spanish oh you have to take a foreign language i had to take foreign languages to get an english degree the hell this is me (laughs) on my soapbox they pad those that a writing a writing degree should really be two years and that's why everybody's but they with the extra prerequisites and that kind of crap. Um, then they uh, then they then they pat them out to, to to five years. That's really how it goes. Yeah. So you know you can declare a major or you can go in as undeclared, and if you have to live on campus, like that's the thing. You if you want on housing, I think you have to be a full time student or you have to declare a major or something. Well, then oh, you I don't can... know about declaring a major. I just think you got to be full time. Oh, okay. Um, uh, hell, you could e- you could even take like four hundred level grad classes. Actually, that would be pretty tough for someone maybe. coming out of high school to take a graduate class because at that point, the thing about graduate classes, and I can speak for English degrees, um, the difference between an undergraduate English or literature class and a graduate English literature class. In undergrad, they don't expect you to have read the book. 
in a graduate class, they have they will expect they will have expected you to read the book before class began. Yeah. Like you probably already read, uh, what's something really some Hamlet? They expected you have already read. Uh, um, Paradise Lost was the big one for me. I hate that book. I I, I had to read it over the between col- undergrad and grad school. I read Paradise Lost like mm-hmm. five or six times. It's nice, ridiculous, and to the you point know where it more than I do. Yeah, well, I mean, I was sick of it after the second time. The first time, it's kind of like, oh, okay, this is interesting, and it's a change of pace, and we're looking at the origin of language as we see it now in a weird sort of way, like literary language. Mm-hmm. But now it's kind of just. Ugh, you know the story you want to be past it and it's just nah. Ethan Champagne says what is the best way to fight rust I'm possibly possibly uh, qualifier word kind of sort of not really maybe I don't know moving to the upper peninsula of Michigan I was wondering how to avoid my car turning into dust Um, I hope you have a garage like the best Best way is put it in a garage and then don't drive it, but there's still a lot of moisture in the air. It's still going to there's there's still going to be oxidation on the metal. Um I mean, you can in the winter time wash the salt off your car. Um you should wax your car every season. You should wax your car like big time four times every year. I do with all of my stuff. Jay the Griffin asked if we ever took any cinema classes, and that's how we met in yeah, cinema yeah. class. Cinema classes, yeah. uh, movie classes are great for writing. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. It teaches you structure. Yeah. It teaches you um, sort of constructing theme and uh, character, and you end up with an intrinsic understanding of uh, what works and what doesn't in that in screenwriting and in the visual medium of film, yeah. it's as much about what you don't write as it is what you do. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting way to sort of learn writing as much as it is reading good writing, you know? I hated, uh, one guy, average car guy says, I hated reading A Raisin? Raisin in the that's Sun my sophomore year in high school. Raisin in the Sun. Oh, uh, that's um that, oh God, who wrote Is that it? a young Describe adult? Me. No, it was a play. A uh, very oh. f- legendary play, um, film turned into a film version with uh, Sidney Poitier and remade like thousands of times over. Mm. Uh, I don't know. I liked it for what it was, but it's one of those things where I could imagine it being very exhausting to continually have to re-encounter it. Mm. It's like going into uh, class and being told, hey, we're reading Catcher in the Rye. And it's like, well... Uh, oh, this... am I back in tenth grade again? Uh, just... if, I, if I was in a class and catching the right came up, I'm just taking the position of the uh, professor. Whatever, man. Yeah, well, <laughs> whatever you want. Because my interpretation of Catcher in the Rye is that Salinger was a World War II vet and didn't want to write about the horrors of war anymore. He yeah. wanted to write about simple problems about messed up kids. Yeah. That's it. And more like, power to him. I mean, right. it ends up being that. But the thing is, I don't think he expected that to be like the book that would, when they mentioned Salinger, yeah. that they mentioned Catcher in the Right. And that's the thing of like, nobody, no author thinks that, well, this one's going to be the one. Yeah. You know, they don't set out maybe trying to write the great American novel, which again, I don't even think the great American novel exists. But if it did, it's East of Eden. 
Like for mm. me, it's East of Eden still. Although it was Dreiser America. Well, eh, 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 I don't know. Well, it didn't do well when it came out. I think maybe he tried to do it with American Tra- Dreiser tried to do it with American Tragedy. Yeah. Um, but again, that is a long ass book, and it doesn't reward you in the end. And they turned that into a movie called A Place in the Sun. Oh yeah, that's a downer. Uh, someone highlights my name. Regular cars. A lot of people asking for RCR Japan. Are you ever going to do it? Um, that would be a a a, log- a logistic mess. Yeah. And we're not a big enough YouTube channel to be able to do that. I have no fixers in Japan. Um, you really need someone who knows the language right. over there. A friend of mine went over there with three other friends. They it was a guy's trip that they went on basically and he mentioned now oh it was a blast it was beautiful it was great everything uh but logistically it was a nightmare just because you know we don't really know where we're going we don't we go places we don't know how to order things that we there were some guys who knew like a little bit um i mean i have one of my closest friends just moved to japan and she got because she got transferred out there and it's like she's in love with the place because she's been you know super japanese culture person all her life so she knows you know the things but it's like you need that type of fixer who they're they they don't they don't have the nine to five or they could call off the nine to five yeah to just take you around places yeah and we're not at that level to be able to just say like hey uh are you willing to completely forego uh whatever your job is for the next week or two and show yeah. us around japan yeah and then there's also kind of more than in other places there would be a major culture shock because we've only visited english speaking nations exactly. so if we were to go to you know even something like rcr germany which i mean it's i imagine it would be a wonderful beautiful yeah. thing it's just it's like being an american in for especially now especially now it's just like do the lisa simpson thing of throwing a canadian flag on your backpack yeah just <laughs> just throw a canadian flag on the pelican case and just say hey what's this all about yeah uh, no one knows no, one, no knows. one has to know yeah and plus, I, and this is the thing I always come back to, but there's a lot of really cool places here we haven't been to. So, I mean, I imagine there's a lot of ground still left to cover in these places. There's one guy, today. Punch Gromit, says Arse, uh, Mighty Carmods is opening a restaurant. A restaurant? Dude, how much YouTube cash do you have to just be throwing around in the in the most failure-prone business yeah. on the wor- in the world? That's, that's just... I would understand it if you were opening a food truck, because... Yeah, food trucks are... Low like overhead. one of my fallout plans, if suddenly we wake up one day and there's this message on YouTube that begins, uh, well, folks, it's been a wonderful ride. <laughs> oh, shit. Well, we regret to inform you chills. that due to circumstances beyond our control, oh, no, the partner program ended. Yeah. Like, what will what will I do? Um, one of the options is food truck. Food truck. I have enough to buy a, a crappy food truck. Um, that's like the sexy idea. The realistic idea is um, we would go to some other video platform and work on donations, Yeah. Um, which would probably be a fraction. I, I would have to get a job. 
yeah. I'd have to get a job. Depending on how if Jalopnik was would hire, that's that's probably the logical thing. Is I would say, hey, Patrick George, you got any work for me? Yeah. Um, I, I would do that. Um, or an, another idea would be, I have an, I would have enough money to live for a few years. I could write a book. I could. I don't know if I'd try to work on a movie or a documentary. Um, from what I learned about a few people who make many documentaries, even my dream of making the Japanese speed wars of the nineties. Um, uh, it's, it's such a niche thing. Like car culture is like three times the size of motorcycle culture. Yeah. Most of motorcycle culture is, you know, American chopper crap. Yeah. That's what your average guy wants you know, it's Pennsylvania for those two days that when it, when it was really warm this past weekend, all the pretend all I get into my criminal outfit and get on my Harley and bleh, <laughs> around or or I dress up like a ninja and ride my ninja. You know, that stuff that is motorcycle culture, not really um, the stuff I'm into, which is like late 70s stuff or dual sports, of course. I mean. I have a the the guy who I was uh, who, a fellow Nick um, Camilleri who is a filmmaker and whose uh, film I'm hopefully the film comes out in a few months called The Rose Lady um, about the Dale Liz Carmichael um, and oh right yeah I would like to see you know see if he'd be into like co-producing something i mean interesting I don't, yeah I, I don't really know if that's like a, a hookup or anything but it's still something where that's a story that deserves to be told and told you know well yeah and right and i think you could do it it's just again it's a time thing it with, is. And with everything being what it is i mean my rcr stories they're nothing they're, they're powerpoint presentations and they take like four months yeah between yeah. like all the research it re it's really the research and the writing that takes so long yeah because after that once you record it, it well then you have to go through and edit out all the breathing and yeah <laughs> then mm -hmm. you have to go and find rights free images that you're not going to get like flagged but it's one of those things where um you know, uh, there are tons of amazing stories in the automotive industry that people just aren't doing. You know, uh, Randy Lanier, you got um, uh, Group B Rally, like the whole Toyota thing. Yeah. And, uh, you have uh, Dieselgate, like tons of stuff that you can literally just spend an entire two-hour documentary going over because then you start talking it. about the people involved and all of their stories and trying to guess why they did what they did yeah and it's interesting um but yeah the uh but i feel like we <laughs> ventured way the hell off topic because we started off with the slackers yeah and then never got back to it <laughs> yeah there there was some person uh i i forget that the comments went by people ask me this every week when rcr canada RCR Canada can really happen at any time, and that's why it doesn't happen because yeah. it's so easy. You don't do it. Um, what I'd like to do for RCR Canada is I'd like to drive the Falcon up there, and I haven't yet tested the Falcon long, long distance. The farthest ever gone is Carlisle. Again, this is the same old conversation about heat issues. Um, so 
RCR Canada will happen. It'll probably be in the greater Toronto area. Sorry to say, but that's where people are. Yeah. Um, and you just go where the highest concentration of, you know, offers would be. Because I guarantee you, if you went into the Gmail right now and just typed in like Toronto, Toronto that would just be Toronto bam. area. Yeah. But you can ride my six in British Columbia. There was someone up in the... Oh, go ahead. Oh, maybe it's the same one. The guy asking when we're going to do stuff on a track. Oh, no, but... But that's in two weeks. Uh, Nick won't be there for that, but I'm going to Harris Hill Raceway down near Austin. And crossover crossover episode with um, Steph Schrader from Black Flag. Or rather, she writes for Black Flag. Not the band, you know, the thing for (laughs) Jalopnik, like racing and stuff. So she's going to give me some pointers on racing. Uh, I'm going to be on a track. New experience for me. And um, there will be no RCR meet in Austin because it's just me, and I don't know if I could handle a meet all by myself without having a tag team match. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, that's going to be RC, uh, a few cars in Austin, in Austin, Texas, in a few weeks. Speaking of uh, tag teams, did you see the uh, Andre the Giant documentary? I saw the trailers, but oh, I didn't, I didn't it's, see it. Uh, it's. I wonder if it's going to make me cry. Um, it actually, it made me cry. Well, at the end, uh, there was a referee who was actually my favorite referee growing up, Tim White, who had to retire due to a shoulder injury. But, um, I, and I knew exactly what he was going to say as he was getting choked up. And that's what made me choked up. And Mm. then he like said it. And I don't know. It's this amazing look into, I mean, like as a wrestling fan, I didn't learn anything new other than Hulk Hogan trying to say that going into the WrestleMania three match with Andre the giant, that he didn't know if he was going to win or not. I'm like, that is the biggest load of bull that anyone has ever. There's like Andre was barely mobile. Uh, Hogan had been champion for three years at that point and was clearly the future. It's like if Andre wins, you know, there's nowhere, there's nothing that you could do with it. It's just the most preposterous BS story, but it's a carny business. Yeah. And especially back then before the advent of sort of the internet and you still had uh, cable TV being this new thing and where you could reach a wider audience, you know, um, it's interesting to... presuppose a a scenario where you know andre winning was somehow believable Mm -hmm, now a year later they did the finish where uh they had a rematch and andre wins because they do like this evil twin referee thing where there's the referee had a twin and so they swapped out the referees and that referee screwed hogan and get Andre won the belt, but he immediately surrendered it to uh, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase, who, okay. who paid him handsomely for it. Like basically Ted DiBiase paid Andre the Giant to beat Hulk Hogan for him and then give him the title. Yeah. But then they voided that transaction and it led to a tournament for the title at WrestleMania four. It's a weird story. And they skip over that, which is like, there's no reason for them to tell that story. But I, I always thought that angle was hilarious. And you end up with this weird uh, story that's mostly about how this guy at age 15 just started growing and didn't stop. And they show him like getting into a car and Mm -hmm. they have to have someone outside the car shut the door and like press it in. It's like closing the door to here until it 
because it's just so much man you know yeah. his hand they show him holding like a can and it's he's a classic yeah. thing it's like yeah. he's holding a dixie cup yeah it's li- it really is or like his foot is just like the size of you know the entire like laptop yeah, laptop it's just a ridiculous size and it's because of the weird uh disease the acromegaly that he mm-hmm. had that was left untreated yeah. that can't be reversed but I, what i always thought was that it was like everything about him was growing but in reality it was his body was growing but his organs remained yeah. the same size and like his heart just couldn't take the output of supplying blood to this enormous body and he ended up dying of a heart attack but he knew that he wasn't going to live very long and so he lived it up really big you know was the story of him picking up hulk hogan or macho man or someone in a bar who tried to pay the tab like him and the chair oh no, he like did a... that to arnold schwarzenegger like oh. he says that in the thing of like he puts arnold schwarzenegger up on a cupboard so that he can't pay the <laughs> tab because he's like you know in the uh, in your you're the boss buddy my thing i'm the boss and he's <laughs> And Andre was a legendary drinker, and so, you know, this was a guy who was knocking back, you know, six bottles of wine a night, and then uh, sort of, you know, drinking however many beers. Ric Flair was on there saying that they went out drinking once, and he personally witnessed Andre drink 110 beers over the course of the night. (laughs) And then uh, when they, for last call, he would order something like, you know, 24 rum and Cokes, and, you know, just... They would leave the bar open for Andre because the dude was, you know, loaded and yeah. financially, but mm-hmm. also it was almost impossible to really get him drunk unless he was really going at it, you know, because yeah. this was a guy who drank like a fish. But it was a tragedy in a lot of ways just because, you know, mm-hmm. uh, he should still be around like the big show in WWE now had the same thing that Andre had, but he got it spotted early and got treated and it essentially like stopped him from continuing to grow beyond the point that he would you know i think big show is like pushing 50 now andre died when he was i want to say like 40 something or other so yeah it's it's an absolutely wonderful documentary and i would recommend especially people who aren't really into pro wrestling uh, give it a look because it's mm-hmm. a human interest story. It's not really about the wrestling business. Like it is, but it isn't. Mm-hmm. And it has a lot of interesting stuff about like him, his experience doing movies. Like they have this great clip of him from the $6 million man where he played uh, uh, Sasquatch. Okay. And yeah, it was, it's just cool stuff. But yeah, uh, back to things. Um, there was someone up there who asked, uh, advice for incoming freshmen to college which i think uh, in terms of like study tips social tips and that's kind of like heavy in a sense that like what would i go back and tell myself as an Mm. incoming college freshman yeah knock it off with the video games i honestly seriously knock it off that is a good one oh but i'm a gamer that that's no such thing like 2000 brian brian from the year 2000 yeah counter-strike was great but that was hours you flushed down the toilet where you could you had all these great ideas and you played counter-strike not only that brian you played counter-strike when there was no one else on the server you just ran around shooting every piece of glass in the map the hell 
Yeah, a bunch of people had their hard drives shared. So after you came back from class, you just watched South Park episodes for like two hours in the middle of the day. Yeah. And 2000, Brian, don't don't wait around for when everybody's going to dinner. I know you really want to hang out with everybody, but you would waste about two hours a day waiting for people to go to dinner. Just go to dinner when you're hungry. Also, hang out with people smarter than you. Hang out with people smarter than you. There were a few people who you hung out a little bit. They could have gotten your grades up. And... Work out more, and girls are way easier than you think they are. <laughs> yeah. That was an old That's, thing. Well, I mean, yeah. But, well, I mean, it's that you gave advice this one time and it was a similar question, but from a high schooler. And you said that, uh, they want it just as much as we do. It's just not proper, I guess, for them yeah. to impart, or it, especially when we were that age. Oh yeah. Also, uh, don't wait until junior year to start using the university's weight room. It's free to everybody go. Hey, remember when you started working out and then you got your summit girl? Hey, do you, th you see a correlation there when you were working out almost every other day and and you were like down you you were like 168 pounds and not a whole lot of fat on you Man. not tea bag it's very yeah also also no one cares that you were flipping burgers it, it was a job that was probably a good idea flipping burgers and honestly the janitor job was pretty good too you have money you can pay for you know yeah. things you you that's all that matters also learn how to work on your car and don't spend so much money on making it look fast honestly your dodge neon you should have just not done a single thing to it yeah. stupid night rider scanner light and that subwoofer <laughs> that you didn't need look you're in college you have a stock car with an automatic transmission just leave the car alone yeah, the rich kids who have really nice cars in college are of a far smaller and less recognizable percentage than in high school when, you know, Johnny Trust Fund shows up as yeah. friggin', you know, whatever. Girls don't care that your car is fast. Girls care if your car is clean. Girls care that you have one at all. Yeah. That's the point of, you know, having the car is having that freedom and by the same token you know the dorm or the apartment or also wash your bed sheets every week <laughs> don't go a month that's why your room smelled and that's why nobody wanted to go in there that's when you realize the value of your mother like the, the true value yeah you wonder why that room stinks so much hey also um your bath towel gets dirty yeah that you wash your bath towel you should really Everything comes off your bed when you come home during the weekend to wash your clothes. Strip the entire bed. I mean, I still don't even do that now. We're pushing three weeks with the bed sheets in that room. Uh, yeah. I had to find out the hard way about my blankets. Uh, and I'm just like, uh, this smells like like something died inside of something that was already dead. <laughs> it was a kind of weird, just ugh. But yeah, and on my end, I realized that uh, sometimes it's easier to just stay in and make your own sort of quick whatever meal. Like I had a panini press and nice. I had, uh, I would do grilled 
I would just like buy a bag of chicken breast from the market that was across the street. Yeah. And just like slap that on. I'm just like, and uh, as I'm writing a paper, because it's like, you know, when you're in the thick of it, and that's the thing of once you get, if you're writing a paper and you get in the groove, like force yourself to stay in that groove. Like, because if you lose it, it's so hard to get it back it's really hard to like get back into the headspace of, you know, what was the point I was making? What do, I don't know. Anytime I was writing about like a novel and I had, you know, my thesis idea, my thesis statement about, you know, Mm -hmm. American exceptionalism, because it's always American exceptionalism. It's just an easy topic. But, uh, if I would allow myself of, Oh, well, let me see how final fantasy 12 is doing right now. You know, and I just like go and play a game for like a few hours and suddenly, you know, whatever good idea I had is gone, you know, and it's true of paper writing. It's true of short fiction. It's true of um, just about any good idea that I had or any um, enthusiasm I had to do it was killed by video games. It was killed yeah. by women. It was killed by, uh, hey, let's go to sharkies or let's go to the first and we'll like just knock back a few and i would convince myself that hey it'll be good for your creativity to just have a few in you and you'll start writing and what really happens is no you end up texting an ex yeah and you're suddenly it's 6 a.m and you realize it's getting closer to the point where you gotta like get up to brush your teeth for class and then you're thinking like how badly do i really need to brush my teeth for class (laughs) you know like i have gum and who am i really going to see at this class anyway because i'm gonna come back home when it's over at 10 a.m and i'm just gonna sleep again anyway yeah but like you can't think of the shortcuts you got to think of it as something that you're giving your full ass even as you know the the looming temptations of partying Mm -hmm. remain someone asked in the comments how do you deal with writer's block the way you deal with it is you leave this at home and you get yourself one of these this has no wi-fi connection uh and it doesn't get any service you put paper in this because the only thing now you can do is write you get this in your book and you and you have at it. That's how I write RCR. I'm on the floor. My glasses are off. I can't see anything but what's in front of me. And lo and behold, I can, you know, if needed, I can write an episode in an hour. Yeah. Because suddenly there's nothing else to do but the work. Yep. yep. And I, if I go into public, uh, I'll go to like the cafe or something with just the notebook. And the only thing that could possibly distract you is something potentially enriching like an interaction Ooh, yeah. with another person yeah. or you know it's just little things of Gotta going out base. yeah <laughs> you just go out and people watch and that can help with writer's block or a big thing is just walking around like i'll walk around my neighborhood and just think things over and uh, you know showers gym just places where you're not having to engage with technology and i know that's kind of a cliche to say that but still oh <laughs> steve g says if you act if you are acting like you don't care about anything you're not being cool and detached you're just boring me to 2000s me yeah because genuine not giving a damn about anything is something that you can't really fit like you 
there it comes off as artifice if you're if you're acting as though you don't care about anything because that takes genuine effort yeah you know if you really don't care about anything it's appealing to people because it's like so far away from the norm of what a person is supposed to be like and i don't know it's just people assume that this is what you're supposed to do to get people to like you is to be mysterious and brooding and kind of a little bit of a dick you know um yeah just just neg them a little bit you know <laughs> negging girls and i'm like that's the dumbest thing in the world because what they really respond to is confidence and not confidence in the like i think i'm great part but confidence in the i don't need you to validate me like i have a life without you like the minute what's in my experience what's unattractive to to a woman is the idea that your day begins and ends with her Mm. and so that the minute you know you're you're you hang up the phone at the end of the night you know you power down until she calls you again the right. next day and it's like that's not what it's supposed to do it's and i wish hell i wish i could have told myself this like not too long ago but it's one of those things where you know learning and maturing and evolving is an ongoing process and a lot of people will make mistakes and say and do stupid things but that's written in the fabric of our dna yeah you know it's just we are who we are and we're always going to be learning right up until they put us in the ground yeah or spread our ashes in some foreign land that we weren't fortunate enough to visit while we were alive so we left the responsibility <laughs> to our children to go there for it and then wes anderson writes a movie about it or something. <laughs> uh, but yeah uh so uh that was good the uh slackers the slackers <laughs> So I'm standing there at the up in the upstairs of uh, Mr. Small's Funhouse, uh, and I see him. I see Disco Dave, and I wanted to go up to Vic Ruggiero. Here we go again. Ruggiero. Ruggiero. To go up to I'll just say Vic, just to go up to Vic and say this line, which people have said to me. Oh man, I love your music. I love your work. You, your music got me through a bunch of tough, tough times back in this year. I was going through this, but then I listened to your music and I felt a whole lot better. And uh, he probably gets that. As people, I've gotten emails from from fans who said I was going through some really bad stuff, and then they say what the bad stuff is, and your videos helped me back from the brink. And my response to that is. Hey, thanks, man. Like, (sighs) (laughs) it's just what it's like. Awesome. Yeah. It's like, it's TMI, but you don't want to say it is because, um, when someone says that to you, it means they care, which means I care a lot about Vic. I care a lot about his band. I care that they've been doing this since 90 fucking one. Yeah. When they were like, and he's, Vic is only like in his mid mid forties. He's only like 10 years older than us. And he's been doing this for 25 years. So he like had this vision of I'm going to be a musician. And it shows you how small ska music is like what the, the biggest ska bands ever in the U.S. were maybe Mighty Mighty Boss Tones and Real Big Fish, yeah. and they both had one hit. 
Yeah. Um, well, there's, there is the eternal argument of whether or not early, no doubt was ska and they were influenced by it, but they were not. So I don't think they were ska, but you know, if there are people who want to make that argument, I'm sure they could, but it's, it's still, you know, for someone who'd been doing it that long Mm -hmm. and imagine like we've only been doing this for like four or five years yeah and how often we hear that thing of yeah. hey you got me through some rough stuff now multiply that by five and how often he's probably heard that and they're touring all the time yeah and it was also cool that they weren't waiting in the green room they were just at the bar hanging out and knowing that they're gonna have to get on that bus and they played pittsburgh last night yeah. So they paid Philly one night. They paid Pittsburgh last night. Oh, no, they paid Pittsburgh two nights ago. Philly um, the next night. Maybe someplace in New York City. And then they're driving to Montreal. Or not Montreal. Some Canadian city. Maybe Toronto, Ottawa, Montreal. And then I'm looking at their schedule. And then it's back down into like Hartford, Connecticut. And then there's a break. And then it says Buenos Aires. Damn. I'm like they have been on. They just tour and World tour and tour wide, and yeah. and that sounds like a very Isle of Man experience in that or Isle of Man TT experience in that you know no green rooms. It's like everybody's around and about, and mm-hmm. you can interact with them as you know courtesy dictates. Yeah, but yeah, that's really cool. And yeah. so wait, did you approach him at all at the at the end of the show? Vic was at the bar again. Or like no, he wasn't at the bar. He was at some table or like standing by the, you know that you go to any bar and they have that two foot, not even two foot, like foot and a half uh, tray kind of table that just runs along the wall. Yeah. It's just sort of a, a put your other. drink here because we're out of tables and the bar is full. So yeah. you just stand around here. He was at one of those and I'm like, it's on the way out of the room, out of the way out of the venue. And I just said. Thanks for playing. You really brought it tonight. Love it. And he shook my hand and he said, thanks, man. And then I said something and he's, or he said something and I didn't quite understand. And I just leaned in. I'm sorry, what? And, and I couldn't, I don't remember what he said. Cause it's like, I'm standing next to Vic and I'm shaking his hand and his hand is large, but soft. And, <laughs> um, he had large slash soft hands, a lot like Justin Kramer. I uh, stats, characteristics, um, writing about the five senses, <laughs> everything about him, and I guess he looked a little tired. And then I went out, and then I also talked to Disco Dave. Um, well, Disco Dave, I guess, because has more energy because he plays the saxophone and he's also like the MC of the band, which I didn't know. Like, uh, he's the guy who announces everybody because I guess he's the first guy that comes out, him and the drummer. Yeah. And then Disco Dave announces everybody else. I guess the drummer is just playing some beat as as the as the band comes up on stage. The bass player has like stands out in this crisp white suit and a waxed handlebar mustache that comes up. Not only like he's playing like one of those big bass guitars that is, looks like almost too big, but he rests it on a drum throne (laughs) that also matches his suit. So he's sort of playing a bass guitar as an upright bass. I guess he has an upright bass too, but 
you know, he prefers to do it this way. Um, yeah. I on I saw on Twitter that Len said that she got you got pulled on stage at one point. I didn't get pulled on stage and it wasn't during the slackers portion. Um the second opening band, the drummer is a fan of RCR and um before the show he came up to me and it was like, "Oh my god, it's you." Now, granted I was wearing a regular car review shirt. Yeah. And I was wearing that in the hopes that someone from Slackers was a car guy and I would get a shout out. But I got a shout out from the opening band, which is equally as cool. Yeah. And it was this weird moment um, uh, with the second band. Oh, man. I have their US. They gave me one of the guys gave me a USB stick with like two songs on it. Nice. And um, um, in between songs, the guy, um, one of the guys says, I hear there's a celebrity in the audience. And I'm like, huh? It was that one Mississippi, huh? Oh, wait, that's probably me. And then I didn't know how to, I kind of looked away a little bit. Like, where's Mr. Regular? And I was like, there's no rows. I'm like pretty much up on the stage, like up in front of the stage. Anyway, and just say hi. And, oh, this guy, he reviews cars really funnily. And he says, and there was, they were like motioning me up. So I go right up to the stage. I don't get on it. I'm not going to get up on the stage. First of all, I'd have to crawl over the monitors and then I'd be up there. But, and the monitors the like the audio monitors were just sitting on folding chairs. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, I don't want to like topple one of these things over. So, um, I just say, Hey, and then the bait, like the rhythm guitar player for the opening band says, want to review my van. He like, he <laughs> says like a van or something like some sort of van. I think it was like a Ford, uh, Ford Windstar or something. And I tried to make a joke right there saying, you can't have a van. You don't have an ankle bracelet on. <laughs> and, but I don't think he heard me. It was really loud in there. Yeah. Thank, I was wearing ear, prote- ear protection anyway. Yeah. So there exists footage of that. It's on Len's phone. I'll have to ask her if she has it mm-hmm. and maybe I'll post it and, It'll probably be like every single cell phone video of a band that you hear. It's just going to be peaking audio. You can't hear crap. I mean, I could subtitle it. Probably. Uh, Jack Murphy asks, should you stay in a long-term relationship with someone you're not going to marry through your early college years? Or is independence more important? And to that I say, absolutely independence is more important because college is supposed to be where you figure yourself out. Mm -hmm. Now, if you care about the girl... A lot like if you think you this could be your person then absolutely stay with that person but you got to think like if i'm with this person for four years of college and you're not just thinking about what i'm going to do with my life you're thinking about like how your lives are going to align after college and if they don't then you've pretty much just spent four years not exploring everything that college has to offer, especially if you went to somewhere like, like, like I went to Penn state and yeah. the main campus. And I was like trying to get, you know, as much experience as I could because it's like, I was nothing with women in high school. And so it's like yeah, either. Yeah. So it's like either come out of your shell now or be alone forever. <laughs> like that yeah. was my, you know, but if you're already in a relationship, ask yourself this. Do you want to snuggle after you nut? Or do you just want an empty bed? And if you just want an empty bed, then treat it as a casual relationship. And if it drifts apart, it drifts. If you drift apart, you drift apart. Yeah. Don't put your, don't value. Uh, this is probably one of your lines. It's like, 
don't treat a girl as a fulcrum on which your life balances. Yeah. Because it doesn't. It can't be... Actually, I think that's a Henry Rollins line. It's a... It's a... It can be a thing uh, that is worth getting up for, but it can't be the only thing you get up for, you know? It's... And also, there's enough pressure in college as it is. Like, sometimes, you know, you're in the middle of a paper and you don't want to think about how... uh, uh, You know, you don't want to think about... Well, am I going to anger her by saying like, hey, I'm too tired from writing this paper. I know you wanted me to come over and like watch whatever like bullshit housewives of whatever shit. But it's like you also I guess college is a time to not only explore, but also to be a little selfish, you know, to say that, you know, maybe I don't want to go out or maybe I don't want something serious. Maybe I just want to nut and fall asleep. You know, it's not like, but some people are on team nut and sleep. (laughs) Some people are on team nut and cuddle. And, you know, some people are on neither team and just, you know, want to do the whole solo thing. And every team is absolutely fine provided that you can find the person to be on that team with unless it's the whole team solo thing in which case you know you've already found you but college isn't an opportunity to find even more of you like that's the thing of like college was some of the best years of my life just Mm -hmm. because it was so pregnant with possibility oh that's a good line yeah it's just like all this potential and all this freedom this sudden rush of like you know adrenaline from all the freedom that you're getting and all the possible things that you can do with that freedom and the people that you can do it with and all the sort of things that you realize that hey i didn't know i liked uh chartreuse but apparently i like chartreuse yeah and uh you know maybe i don't like basketball oh maybe i do like playing basketball like it's just everything you find out about yourself in college, it could be at an educational level. You could figure out like, well, maybe I came into this thinking that I wanted a major in English. And now I realize maybe I want to, you know, go in a more, you know, tech related field. I don't know. It's mm-hmm. about figuring yourself out. And that's the big thing. Um, Yeah. yeah. Cuddle nut <laughs> Well, we've been going for an hour um let me see so the slacker show is good it helped me get over my fear of dancing and i did dance at the show took me about a few songs what actually once the slackers got on and because i listened to them for so long i knew the words to about 80 percent of the songs they were playing and even some of the new songs they write songs that are so singable they keep repeating the chorus and it's sort of a call and answer of course glenn pine is really good at that and it was wild like uh I think they opened with easy. Um, there was this one moment where the, I guess they reached the end of their set list and Vic just says, okay, I guess we'll take requests. You want anything? Some people started yelling. Actually, there was like a pause. Like, is he really going to just ask us stuff? Some people yelled out something. I yelled out the song 86 The Mayo, which is a, one of my favorite ska songs. And there was a bunch of people yelling, but Glenn Pine looked at me and he said, oh, that's good. But then they played something else, but that something else was also good. Mm. Um, this, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm on the uh, subreddit right now. Okay. Uh, this person just asked, 
Are you, oh, and by the way, uh, if you go to our subreddit, r slash regular car reviews, there's a thread there at the top called Ask RCR. You just submit all your questions there and maybe we'll get to them in the uh, podcast here. So mm-hmm. anyway, this person asks, uh, are you guys going to go to Sobs at Carlisle? And I'm beginning to wonder, are is there any, does Carlisle just do a, you know, automaker at Carlisle for every automaker? <laughs> Hey, they they're making bank there. I believe it. Um, uh, geez, we're, we're going to be at Carlisle twice this year for Ford and Chrysler. <sighs> Do I want to go to Sobs at Carlisle? Probably not. I'm starting to plan my summer out, and a lot of it is me hiking, yeah. and a lot of it is me riding my motorcycle. Um, it'll be a good summer. Yeah, better be. It's going to be welcomed with open arms this year. Oh, man, I'll be running to it in slow motion (laughs) with my arms out. Uh, This person asks, looking for a car to learn manual in that's fun to drive. 99 to 06 Toyota Celica, an Acura RSX, or Mazda MX-5? Toyota's out because they're a little bit notchy. Um, What was it, it was an and then the other ones Acura NS what did Acura oh Acura RSX well that's pretty much it that's pretty much an accord um and the last one was a Mazda well Miata's always the answer but if you're young and you're going to be doing that type of car unless the, the the caveat is does that Miata does the MX-5 come with the optional hard top that you latch on if it does I'd say go with the Miata again if you fit in it yeah. If you're a taller guy, even with me, mm, I don't know. Um, the Acura RSX uh, is just a regular car, and it's a front-wheel drive car. Um, that would... If you're wealthy enough that you have a different daily, and this is going to be a car on the side, be a Miata. If this is going to be your only car, go with the Acura RSX. And a similar question is, what were some good front-wheel drive manual cars from the late 90s and early 2000s? Ah, uh, geez, really? Any any Honda Civic with that little D series single jingle—that's great. The lighter, the better. Um, from the late '90s. Um, even even the basic Corollas. Um, I forget when the the Toyota Matrix came out. That's one of the. That that's still. Mm, I I really considered that as as uh, the RCR camera car, but I'm on Team Subaru now. Um. Someone says Honda Prelude. Duh. Of course. How could yeah, I forget the Prelude? Absolutely. Neon. Uh, early two thousands. It's out because the second gen Neon, apart from the, the um, the, the SRT four, the second gen is junk. Um, first gen Neon Highline, very good. Yeah. But you got to address the head gasket uh, issue. You got to get that thing tested in a very Subaru fashion. Yeah. Um, there was a conversation that I threw up on the Facebook page on Saturday night, just sort of out of boredom about asking people what their favorite racing games of all time were because, and not what the best one is, but literally just what your favorite is. And it was a lot of interesting answers because, uh, there was someone here who mentioned The Crew by uh, Ubisoft, which is a weird racing game that has a pretty terrible storyline to it. Mm. But 
I'm I'm glad that there's someone else in the world who likes crew, but <laughs> it's that strange thing again of video games and the the time vampire that they become. Yeah. Like there's this game called Project Cars 2 that I really want to get into, but I don't know where the time is and I don't know. My favorite racing game of all time is a game called Grid. And it was for PlayStation 3. And uh, they released a grid too, and I never got around to it. But, I mean, part of me will always have a soft spot for San Francisco Rush 2049. Mm-hmm. And I don't know what it is about the year 2049 that, like, the fiction just says, hey, all right, we're doing 2049. Some, there's something about having an odd number. If an end, if an end, If a number is an odd number, somehow it feels more legit. I forget who was talking about that. Mm. Dirt Rally. Uh, for sim racing project cars 2 right now um it's funny i didn't see a lot of forzas in there Hmm. which i always thought was like the new gran turismo in terms of you know that's the car purists choice i think the when i think of old racing games the best ones were always arcades because they had a wheel Hmm. and yeah Racing games with a controller for me just doesn't work. It's it's hard to kind of get the same feel and the same feedback. Uh, You'd have to that, be that guy with the yeah. have with the home setup with the with the like even the simple ones that um, uh, automation had. Actually, no, they went all out. They welded a chair and stuff down down <laughs> like that. Then it becomes fun. But now you're that guy with the racing simulator in his house that takes up a lot of room. Yeah. Did you ever play Road Rash for Genesis? It, it, uh, it was a yeah, motorcycle game. Yeah, and I it played was, that. I like that game. It was a weirdly violent game for what was ostensibly just a motorcycle racing game. There, there's a word for that that Chuck Palahniuk came up with. Uh, in the late 90s uh, Clinton era intentionally violent karma like it's 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 a type of media that Mm. that fight club is and there's a word for it it's like it falls under the umbrella of shock humor oh there was a game called carmageddon where they just remember carmageddon there was i think there were like congressional hearings about carmageddon (laughs) because you didn't you get points for like running people over or something yeah yeah or some crazy mess Uh, like the jokingly sadistic stuff that um the first uh gta game where people went splat and that was just a top-down you know isometric remember postal Yes. Yeah. I do remember Postal. And that's one of those things where uh, another one of those games that freaked out, like the government, like um, that one Rockstar game, uh, Manhunt, or this one canceled Mortal Kombat knockoff called Thrill Kill Mm. that was just about like patients in a mental ward that were all like it was super violent. And I don't know. Manhunt actually did come out, though. And that was... You know, you had some really messed up ways of killing people in that game. And it was just mostly a thing of, it was kind of a Hunger Games type thing of survive and you get your sentence commuted, I think, or something like that. But Yeah, you don't get that in games now. Not that I'm looking at it with rose-colored glasses. It is, like, as I age, it is kind of messed up. Yeah. That I remember this first-person shooter called Soldier of Fortune, and then they made a second one. But the first Soldier of Fortune... um, not only did like the NPCs gib, but they were also you could also dismember them. Like if you shot them, 
shot them in the arm with like a larger caliber weapon it would take their arm off and then like Ooh. blood would splurt out if you shot them in the head the head would explode and chunks came out so yeah. there'd like be a body with no head stuff like you shoot them in the leg and then they'll hop around for a little bit and then wither and cry in pain oh like you shoot them in the chest it would like open a chest hole right that's that's right yeah that that was the kind of thing that and this gets off on the historical badge but the opening of like medal of honor frontline where it's literally just the opening scene from saving private Ryan oh, yeah. at the start and you have guys crying for their mothers and yeah. it's that type of thing of like when that generation was fighting the war it would be inconceivable to them to think that their suffering would be turned into a form of entertainment. Right. A form of interactive entertainment. Because even during the most absurd conflicts, you know, the most dangerous conflicts, you know that a film is going to be made about it. Mm -hmm. But, you know, no one's going to make 9-11 the video game. Or I'm sure somebody at an indie level has. But I hope to God no one does at a major developer level because that's a terrible idea, even 100 years from now. Right. But still, it's like... uh, It's hard because, you know, you have video games that are, they can be as much a a didactic learning experience as they are an entertainment experience. Mm -hmm. You know, there are things that you learn about from video games that you might not learn from other aspects of media. There are people who learned about cars through playing, you know, Need for Speed or playing Midnight Club or modding their cars and grid or gran turismo you know uh uh, there's people who kind of learned about what a certain cars can and can't do in you know burnout it's that type of uh experience where you know uh it, it kind of teaches you what constitutes a good car i guess what i'd like to see out of racing games and maybe this is me blaming the 90s but in stuff like gran turismo one any upgrades to the car you do made the car better. And in real life, there's no guarantee that that's going to change a damn thing. Yeah. They should have a, a racing game where, yeah, you add that cold air intake. It costs $400 and your car doesn't change a damn thing until you tune the ECU. And then it then it maybe does something. Yeah. Like, kind like, of like wheels a- don't change anything unless they're... They should have wheels that are heavier than stock wheels so your unsprung weight goes up. And then that's bad and your car handles like crap. Um, they should have... Um, they should have your car break, like as we learned in, in a video that's coming up next week. Next week, um, well, I don't want to get off sidetrack, but I will tell people. Um, uh, if you put a bigger turbo, but you don't put a bigger intercooler on, your your engine gets too hot and can't cool itself. <laughs> and then you may have, uh, then, then you're going to burn piston rings and things like that. Um, the video that's coming up next week, uh, Monday from today is not going to be a New Zealand video. Uh, there is a time constraint that I had to meet for it. So there's going to be a USDM car shot in the United States over in New Jersey that's coming out on Monday. But it is relevant to some of the JDM cars in New Zealand as it can prime you eh, <laughs> for the video, uh, that um, the season finale to RCR NZ. Yeah. 
Gran Turismo 4 mods will make a car worse, which forces you to manually tune everything. Oh, see, and that's why is because in Gran Turismo, I never got past two. Mm. So I, I, I'm not experienced with more the more recent ones like a GT Sport or I guess that's the most recent one. Mm-hmm. Um, it's kind of strange in the fact that uh, uh, racing video games are kind of um, you know what you're getting with each one. It's just the level of sim that you want right. out of it. And again, like not to do cheap plug, but like that's the appeal with automation of you're getting a legitimate sim of what it is to sort of build a car from the ground up and try to you know get all of those crazy things that you want in the car but also without making a car that's going to just completely junk itself the minute it starts running and that is also going to appeal have that like four quadrant appeal mm-hmm. in the market you know uh beam ng uh, i don't know if i can say this but i th- i think andrew and kaz talked about it that they're working on I, I tested and then I think it was like a beta or an alpha or I don't know what that calls yeah, which I one's mean, like a very early version that um the cars you build in automation now can be exported into Beam NG. Not it's not yet. They're working on it. Yeah. So you can get you can build a car. I did it with the with the turbo like turbo first gen neon that didn't exist. Um I made one in automation and then put it into beam ng it imported everything all the parameters the car itself is rendered in in uh beam exactly how i made it uh there's still working like turn signals and stuff some things didn't end end up you have to wait for it to fully re- render before you start start it but then you drive it around and I'm like oh i want to play because i have beam ng but i don't have a steering wheel and and that makes a world of a difference so yeah. that's that's another reason to have automation because they're they're working on that exporter at the time uh beam ng doesn't have um the coding to support turbocharged cars so what happens is if you build a turbocharged car in automation put it into beam ng the performance still will be there it'll still have the same horsepower and torque numbers um, but it won't make choo-choo sounds, and Beam NG just treats it as an NA car with similar, um, with, with with similar power parameters. But there wasn't. It would be like a turbo car with zero turbo lag and a completely linear linear turbo car, so it wouldn't have the feel of it. But the point is, you're driving a car you made, and now you don't want to crash it, or maybe you do you're more attached to it and it's more reason to have both games. Uh, this person asked, uh, or do a video of making a car on automation. And you did, didn't you like for, uh, for automation. automation. Yes. And so if you go to automation's YouTube channel, yeah, I think there. they have the footage of me driving it in beam, but whether they're waiting for that, for the official announcement, I don't know. I hope I didn't scoop them. Um, it's just a question of, of when they're going to do it. And, uh, yeah. Definitely, I'll be making a big stink about that when it happens because it's, it's a long time coming. Yeah, I mean, it's an impressively made uh, sim, especially from a design standpoint. Um, yeah, if you go to the uh, automation game, uh, their YouTube channel, uh, it's 
the car design competition that you uh, judged. Yeah. And those are the three top videos at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it should provide you with a sort of walkthrough of the game and different um, aspects of what goes into making those cars. It's mm-hmm. interesting to kind of see uh, what type of cars you're capable of building because you Mm. really can build anything it's just a matter of does it make sense or are you just building the homer (laughs) (laughs) that it can't possibly sell okay we've been going on this close to an hour and 20 minutes um it should be good uh there was a guy earlier in the chat who uh wanted a quick shout out to his son who uh watches the show i think his name was nick gers but either way shout out to nick gers shout out to nick gers hello Uh, thanks for liking our silly show yeah and uh i'm have a soft spot for fellow nicks so Mm -hmm. that's always how i you know is uh, how i is oh my god how i am oh it's monday and the weather it was literally 70s on friday and saturday and then yesterday it just decided to go to the 40s with insane winds and raining it rained all my all the way up here uh up my ass yeah and it was just driving me nuts and apparently it's gonna be mid to low 50s the rest of the week and raining here Mm -hmm. and i just have no patience for any of it I, i i just i don't (laughs) Ugh. <laughs> I'm going to be a hermit most of this week because I have to finish the video I was talking about and then the video after that I need to complete two videos this week just because I'm going to be gone the week after next for RCR Austin and I don't want to miss a week I don't, don't want to miss a thing alright guys all right. Well, mm-hmm. that's a wrap on RCR podcast number 24. And next week is number 25. I don't think we're doing anything special. Maybe it'll be a super chat thing where people can donate, but I don't know why anyone would give money for a live podcast. Right. But who, who cares? If they want to give money, I'm not going to stop them. Mm-hmm. But anyway, my name is Nick. My name is Brian. Have a good week, everyone. Bye bye. Take care. No, we're always going opposite Rogan. Why are you still here?